The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top 5 Movies! Movies! Top 5 well, I'm going to cut that off. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Top 5 Movies. It's John Burke. Uh, with me this week are Michael Sanchez. Hello. I'm throwing monkey wrenches already into your That's recording. That's right. And Corey. Sorry. <laughs> hello. Hello. And uh, this week is going to be a busy episode because we are going to be talking about our top five iconic movie monsters. But we're also going to be talking about the summer movie draft that we started way back in May. Um, the summer movie time is over, so we are going to talk about who won and uh, the consequences of that victory. Um, oh God! Momentarily. Oh wait, there were consequences. There are consequences. Well, there's a wager. You might. Yeah, you might have to watch. You have to watch a movie they pick. It could be their favorite movie, or it could be the worst movie they've ever seen in their life. So. Ooh, I We'll be getting I hope one into of us that wins momentarily. Okay. <laughs> um, so, before we get completely into that, I want to one praise Wind River. Uh, it's a new Taylor Sheridan film. Um, Taylor Sheridan wrote Sicario, and he wrote Hell or High Water from last year. Uh, this one he directed and wrote, uh, which uh, Wind River stars Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. Um, I saw it last night, and it was. Uh, so great, so so amazing. Um, I want everyone to go see this movie while it's in theaters, especially with there's really not a lot out right now, and Wind River is not getting the buzz that it deserves, and that's disappointing because it is fantastic. And, and this box office weekend, which we talked about earlier, was yep. just abysmal. Yep. And Wind River, I think its official release was like three weeks ago, but it's, again, it was it's been very limited and it's slowly you know breaching out um, into other markets. And a friend of the show, Brendan, went and saw it today and agreed with me. He also loved it. Um, and so uh, I just can't praise it enough. If you liked Hell or High Water or Sicario, I think you'll love Wind River. Um, even if you, like Corey, don't like Elizabeth Olsen, I think she'll, she might win you over with this film. Um, I'm making the comparison, but I've heard, I feel like Tyler from Battleship Pretension also made a comparison that um, Elizabeth Olsen's performance in this uh, harkens back to... Um, Clarice in Silence of the Lambs, um, as she is uh, playing a young well, FBI yeah. agent. Yeah, I know. Big, big praise, right? And that's the the, ca that's... the character is well written, and Elizabeth Olsen plays it very, very well. So, um, who's the who's the director? I mean, Ta I could look it up. But... Taylor Sheridan. Um, he is. This is his really his first directing role. He ha he has one other movie to his credit before this one, um, but it looked like it was very, very low budget. Where this is now, he's uh, one, not one, but he's he wrote Sicario. And he wrote Hell or High Water mm -hmm. last year, and now he wrote and directed Wind River. Um, so okay, see now that that see, that right there would get me because Sicario was, which I, full disclosure, didn't finish. Um, I got most most of it. Uh, just wow. Well, so. the opening to that movie, holy heck! Mm -hmm. And I think the and uh, Hell or High Water is so good. I think his writing's getting better with each movie too, and I, I think Wind River, kind of perfects what he had in the other two. Um, now I might, I am very. It's very fresh in my mind, and I'm still like I can't stop thinking about the movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, my review for it is going up tomorrow. So uh, if you're, well, I guess if you're listening to this, it came it came out on Monday because this usually comes out on Wednesdays. So uh, you're nonetheless, a time traveler, time you're a wizard. Traveler. But 
Um, we have a lot to get into, but I do want to ask if there's any movies you guys have watched recently you want to mention. I am in the process of a three and a half hour documentary. Oh wow! Uh, the oh. His... oh yeah. Well, <laughs> do you hear her judgment already? And she doesn't already. like documentaries. It's so commitment, and yes, it's a documentary. All right. Well, that's strike one. I haven't. I've been so generous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the, the history of the Eagles. Oh. And Ew. somewhere along the oh. strike two. The band. <laughs> The band, yes, Mike? not, oh, not no. the raptor birds. It'd be weird to have the history I'd of those birds. I'd rather watch it about the birds. <laughs> you know, I bet you if there were a three-and-a-half-hour documentary on eagles, the bird, our national bird, even though Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey to be our bird, anyway, you would still not watch it. So um, <laughs> so I'm in the middle of it because uh, internal clock gets me up at 4 o'clock. Oh. And it's they somewhere along the line had the forethought to record, you know, the stuff on stage, backstage. It's crazy the kind of footage. Um, remember when we talked about the Beach Boys and their recording process for uh, it was the documentary for Pet Sounds? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's kind of along those lines, uh, except, you know, three and a half hours long because it ends. And I thought, oh, because they talk, they go right up to the time of the breakup in 1980. And then they they said, well, this is and that's another story because obviously they got back together, and um, it, uh, that's where I'm at at the reunion part when uh, Hell freezes over the album and everything, and what got them there and everything. It's it's pretty amazing. Hmm. I've been on a documentary kick, and what other one? I just started the Last Man on Earth, Vincent Price. <gasps> interesting. Um, it's on Amazon Prime if you're curious. And the history of the Eagles is on Netflix. Very nice. Um Man, I I, I am all about some docs, but I've been watching I watched thirteenth and I Am Not Your Negro last week. Um mm-hmm. which I Am Not Your Negro is on Amazon Prime to watch right now and Thirteenth is a Netflix original doc, um and both are fantastic. So highly recommend those. Corey, do you have any movies oh. you've watched recently? Aside from our yeah. uh, movie club? Yes, um, I watched it, finished it today, and I watched it because it's a horror movie that had Ethan Embry in it, <laughs> um, and it was made in 2015, Devil's Candy. Okay. I would say not a total waste of time, but, um, you know, I love Ethan Embry, but uh, I'm pretty sure that the guy that's in it, too, is in, oh, God, I should have looked it up. Um, he was in that movie with Billy Bob Thornton, I'm pretty sure... Uh, never mind. Okay. We'll go back to that. But but not a total waste. Huh? Where'd you watch it? Yeah. Um where did I watch it? I think on Netflix actually. I was surprised they had it. Uh well. There you go. Uh those are what we've been watching recently, but we do need to move because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, our summer movie draft, if you recall way back in May, we did an episode where we picked 5 movies each of things that were coming out this summer. Um, and we had a system in place where we would take the Metacritic score and the total box office worldwide. So not just domestic, it's the international box office plus the domestic box office. And we would get a point system in place. And so we took turns like a draft. And um, when it's all said and done, the winner with 1,981 points is yours truly, John Burke. Um, second place, Corey, 1,189. So there was a squeaker. I just barely won by almost 800 points. 
Um, and then Mike at 987 points. So, ben Kerr. guys. Um, so, got... which Zoe Deschanel, Elizabeth Olsen movie can we all watch? <laughs> well, hold on. Before we get to Hang what, what you're going to watch, I pulled some stats, and I want to kind of discuss the stats real quick. Um, so, for example, the uh, highest grossing, uh, I'm sorry, highest grossing for points. So, which movie got the most points overall was Wonder Woman. So out of all the movies that came out this summer in our in our fantasy draft, Wonder Woman earned the most points because it had the highest Metacritic and also did very well in the box office. Um, the lowest points getter, any guesses? <laughs> Valerian. No. Uh, emoji. Oh. No, emo- emoji was only a wild card, so it didn't earn any points technically speaking. Um, so, oh, so it learned. Okay. It was Dark Tower, uh, with that had both. Oof. A very low uh, box office and a horrible Metacritic score of only a 34, um, which is, I think, where Mike's picks really went sour, although Baywatch um, didn't help you out much either, um, with only 66 points. Uh, Actually, Valerian um, had 88 points, Corey. Your worst movie was King Arthur, Uh, Legend of the Sword, only got 60 60 points. Um, My worst movie was, in terms of points... Um, was the mummy, and uh, <laughs> it still earned me 139 <laughs> points there. Like so, um, did, did you see that one twice? No, no, I only saw it the one time with you. Okay, okay. Um, no, but it but it had oh, it had it pretty did, good legs. It just legs. felt like seeing it twice. Yeah, it did. Uh, it was not as good as I had hoped it would be. Um, I uh, we I think we wanted to, it to be better. But I'm sorry. No, no. Our biggest, my biggest dud with terms of box office was Cars Three. Yours was Dark Tower. Corey's was King Arthur. Our biggest in terms of Metacritic. So they had the lowest Metacritic of our picks. Mine was The Mummy. Uh, yours was Dark Tower, Mike. So it was a double whammy for you. And Pirates for Corey had the lowest Metacritic. But our box office winners, the biggest dollars in box office. My pick was Despicable Me 3 had the most money. International what? destroyed the minions. It has made almost a billion dollars, guys, in box office. It is just under a billion dollars. I can't handle those. Um, I, so many I told zeros. you guys. I told you guys. Um... Uh, Mike, yours was Guardians for highest box office, and Corey, yours was Pirates. Ironically, had the lowest Metacritic of all your picks, but had the most uh, box office. Um, my biggest Metacritic uh, win was Wonder Woman with, I think, 74. Mike, yours was Guardians with 65, and Dunkirk being the overall best Metacritic score, 94% um, for Metacritic. But that is the results. Now, as the winner, the the deal was that we would... The winner would get to pick a movie for a future episode of Movie Club. So we, when you have to watch this, we need to do off mic, and we'll figure out when it will work for Mike's schedule. But we would love to do this as a Movie Club episode, so I hope that's okay with both of you. That was the deal. Okay. Um, but, okay. again, we'll, we'll work it into your schedule. I'm thinking we maybe wait to watch the movie towards, like, Thanksgiving break or Christmas break or something. I'm hoping that would be easier for you, but I don't know. Um, but, okay. again, we'll, we'll figure all that out logistically off mic. But we have until next summer, basically, to watch this movie. That's as, I want it done before we get to the next wager. But What's the next wager? Oh, next summer. So uh, oh. it'll be summer movie, summer fantasy draft number two. But we're going to hopefully have five people doing it, the three of us and then two additionals, probably ba- uh, Matt and Ben from the Rough Cut podcast. Mm-hmm. But as the winner... I'm going to tell you two to start warming up your vocal cords. You're going to need to memorize the words to swing it on a star and order plenty of cappuccinos because you guys have already watched it. Oh, it doesn't matter. 
I get to pick. We're watching Hudson Hawk for an episode of Movie oh, Club. Oh, I thought you were going to say La La Land or something. How are we going to get Hudson Hawk? Oh, if I need to, I will buy it for you. But um, okay, I'm just I, saying I am not. Literally not already started loser. pricing it on Amazon for you guys today because I thought you might say that, Mike. Let's give the stats as Mike would do. Hudson <laughs> Hawk has a 17 on Metacritic. <laughs> A 5.8 IMDb user score and a 26% Rotten Tomato score, but I, I love I this movie. <laughs> causing some bleeding on my brain. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I now I picked this movie about a month ago, but I decided uh, today I was I was double checking and I was looking and I was like, do I want to go with Hudson Hawk? And I was thinking, well, if we're gonna do it as a movie club episode, I have to sit through whatever I pick too. So it might as well be a movie that I enjoy, and hopefully, maybe I can turn you guys on to it as well. Um, we'll see what happens, but you're going to be swinging on a star as we uh, watch Hudson Hawk for an episode of Movie Club as I am this year's 2017 Summer Movie Wager winner. I feel like we need to invest in some like plastic gold trophies. <laughs> ah, take some pictures. I, I'm all for they, it. They, they might be worth more than Hudson Hawk. <laughs> um, no, no, Hudson Hawk on DVD is, is 10 bucks on Amazon or used. I can get it for five. So... Um, they probably were all, are all gently used too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. I used to rewatch. I think if you're a fan, it's just a rewatch movie. Um, but well, you, you probably spent a lot of time in the punishment uh, cave <laughs> of viewing with it. Listeners need to go back to past episodes to get that in joke. But yeah. um, oh, it was made in '91. It was made in 1991. Stars Bruce Willis um, and uh, Annie McDowell. Um, Danny Aiello, who is great. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people um, in the movie because the cast, it, the story moves through several cities. Uh, you get to go to Vatican, which was the first time, Vatican City, which was the first time I'd ever really knew about Vatican when I was a kid, and I really wanted to go as a result. Um, I learned about cappuccino, which is my favorite coffee beverage. Um, this movie has an impact on me, guys. It's not a joke. Like, it really genuinely was a movie I loved as a kid. Now, I've not seen it myself in a long time, so that's part of the reason I want to rewatch it is will it hold up? Will my fond memories of this movie and all of its silliness hold up all these years later? I don't know that it will. Can I interrupt really quickly before I lose this thought? You know there's a video game? No, really. It looks like original NES. According to my IMDb, right under the movie entry, it's a 1991 video game. That is really crazy. I wonder if you... (laughs) Wow! You have to whistle the song into the <laughs> While you little the bot's game. peripheral for the NES. Yes, the mic. Um, I'm uh, I'm not I blowing into Andy any McDowell. peripherals, Mike. <laughs> it's not a euphemism. Oh, okay. Uh, Annie McDowell's in it, so I do really like mm-hmm. her. Yeah, and she's she plays an important love interest. And I'm sorry, but this Sandra is Bernard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's over the top and villainous in this movie. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Is it bad? Yeah. It's got problems, but it's fun. And Bruce Willis is having fun in this movie. Like, it's uh, it's so good. It's it's a very counter programming to like Die Hard, which is a very serious yet still funny action film. Um, but you get you get comedy Bruce Willis, and I loved it as a kid. And, and you know, again, I'm not saying it's gonna like revolutionize the film industry or anything like that. It's just a fun movie. Yet it has such a low score. I felt it qualified as a kind of a torture pick, but not not true torture because again, I do actually like this movie, or at least. I did. Again, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But listeners, um, if you are curious about our all thoughts on Hudson Hawk, pay attention to a future episode. We will announce the date that the episode is coming out for Movie Club. 
Um, but we're just going to wait and do that and make sure it fits into everyone's schedule. And we will do the summer movie wager again uh, this coming summer, which is you know several several months away. But nonetheless, who knows? Maybe we'll do some kind of like uh, Oscar wager or something. You know, like a one-off episode for this yeah, year. Yeah, that'd be um, good. Yep. So I got I, I got to win so that I. I can force Corey into some four and a half hour documentary. <laughs> You're the, the worst. The OJ Simpson documentary from last year. That, that, I'm giving you the, a strike. The 10 hour 30 no, no, for 30. No, that's my, that is my thing. I, I'm I, doing I, it I for found, this right now. Uh-oh. I'm holding up my, my glove and bouncing back the strike. All right. Nope. Well, that's um, the summer movie wager. If you didn't catch that episode, you can go back and we, we picked what we thought would be the best movies of the summer um, to be on our fantasy team. And I picked better than they did, apparently, by quite a bit. So um, I did do a lot of, like, pre-thinking, though. I don't know. I don't feel like you guys did the research that I did. Like, I went into past box offices for all – because most of these movies this summer were sequels. So I was digging into, like, sequels and what their average critic scores were for the other ones. And that's where how look, I made my at, picks. Look at Burke moneyballing us. I that's really had no idea what was happening. This is the first time I played fantasy anything. Well, I'm hoping next year it'll, it will be more balanced because you'll have a, a – you know, more insight of what's coming. Of course, we don't know what's coming out next summer yet, so that'll be also interesting. Um, Hopefully it won't be another 2017. All right, now before we get into our top five, the movie It comes out this Friday, um, and I am very excited about It. I have been excited for a while, but uh, the trailers look great. I've heard really positive things so far from the few critics that have been able to release anything just yet, Um, so I can't wait to check this movie out. Are you guys planning on seeing it in theaters? I would like to see it. Even my son has expressed interest, and I was getting warmed up by watching the original It. Um, I forget on which streaming service. Yes, I would like to spend my money on it. On It. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Nessie, that's, I get to use my movie pass, and so does my daughter. Hers has come in already, even though um, several people that I know, including Corey, is st- are still waiting for their card to come in the mail. Um my daughter oh, somehow so got hers. Yeah, and well, neither my friend, uh, one of my friends that I've talked about, but I've never used his name, so I'm not going to drop his name. But he was mentioning to me, he was still waiting on his card. My wife's waiting on her card, but somehow my daughter's card got I here. I wonder if maybe it's by last name. Then I mean, I, was I don't know your too. friend's last name, but Kathy and I have, you know, towards the right bottom. By each other. Yep, and yeah. Taylor's is uh, oddly enough up towards the top. So, yeah, I was thinking that as well because it's the only thing that seems to make sense to me. Um, because I ordered, I am fairly confident I ordered my wife's first because my daughter's phone, my wife has an iPhone, we have Android phones, and her phone was not connecting on MoviePass's app, but my wife's connected in the first try. So um, I ended up ordering hers first, and Taylor still got hers before the hand. So, but she and I are definitely going to go see it this weekend. Very excited about it. But love, Mike, if you're around and we can all make it a, a group activity, that would be fun too. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll- see. That said, our logic for this one was that we were going to talk about uh, iconic movie monsters. Now, we in the past have traditionally avoided TV movies, so I felt like I could say Pennywise as our example. Pennywise, um, Tim Curry's uh, rendition of Pennywise was iconic for the time, despite it being a TV movie. And despite there being a lot of cheese in that movie, he is excellent as Pennywise. And it's an iconic monster. Many people were terrified of that clown. And um, Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård's uh, Pennywise, it looks pretty terrifying. Um, so that was the motivation for the list this week. And we're going to be getting into um, the films that these monsters came in. Uh, or maybe it's very possible they're in multiple films. But 
I'm going to start us off this week. Um, if you've never listened to the podcast before, we make our list in secret, and this is us revealing our list to each other. Um, before we get into our list, though, Corey? Dun, dun, dun. Spoiler warning. We'll probably ruin some of these movies for you. If you want to check out our lists first at BerkReviews.com, do so. Otherwise, full steam ahead. And um, Mike, Mike has a tendency to uh, pick some very obscure films and – Corey and I often will make wages wages as to not wages we make we get a paycheck uh, we make <laughs> wagers into uh, how many of his films on his list we will have seen and we're often off although I did win last week by uh, I think one if I'm not mistaken um, I'm gonna go it's iconic monsters I'm gonna go two for this week uh, wait you know I went first last two week Corey monsters. what are you gonna pick you pick first I Corey. was gonna say two then go two but. You can go ahead. No, no. I'll do one. You can, oh, oh, you're going low. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I'll go two. You can go one. And there okay. you go. All right. So starting off. Because we need oh. to have seen the movies, not just know the monster. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so starting off, uh, I'm going to go first this week, and then we'll go Corey Mike. Is that what we decided? Oh, that's it. I've seconded. Okay. So. Motion passed. My my iconic monster comes from a mediocre movie, um, but from a very cool video game franchise. Um, it is Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. <laughs> the uh, meta score for Silent Hill, the first film from 2006, is a 31, uh, 6.6 IMDb score. I'm trying to figure out who actually was under the Pyramid Head, but I'm not having a lot of luck unless he's called Red Pyramid, which I've never heard him refer to as Red Pyramid. Um, and if so, it's Roberto Campanelli, but I don't know if that's accurate. Um, but I, I would definitely yes. have to say I was a video game fan first um, of Silent Hill. I, I played uh, the first game. I barely even got through where I got, which I did not beat it, but I got to the school. And once I got to the school, there was like a ghost baby that would just like be like crying and laughing. like, And I just couldn't take it, and I stopped playing it. But... Um, when the movie came out, I did have to check it out, and Pyramid Head was a, I mean, throughout the franchise, I've played most of the franchise at this point, um, it was such a cool monster that when you saw him on the big screen in the film Silent Hill, he he was everything that I wanted that character to be. Now, the movie's not perfect. The movie's got tons of problems. Um, it's not a horrible f- watch, mind you, but it's still, like, it's not great either, but Pyramid Head is awesome and I think the first time we get a good eye of him he grabs a woman by the throat rips her clothes off and then rips her skin off um as if that was also clothes like and it's it's brutal it's it's exactly what that monster has always been depicted in the games and he comes on and makes a huge impact immediately when he shows up in the film um so I when I think like iconic monsters um well maybe Silent Hill isn't the best video game if you go to any con megacon uh, I've seen in Comic Con, you know, whatever people cosplay as this monster because one, it's slightly easy. You just have to be kind of tall or have stilts, which a lot of the people I've seen cosplaying have. You need a big old giant pyramid head and then a giant sword, um, and that's about the cosplay. But it's still you see so many people doing it um, because it, it, he's iconic. So that's my number five, pyramid head. It, it's very deceiving because. Unless you're familiar, and I would figure a lot of people are familiar, the idea of Pyramid Head is just sound, ooh, it sounds like a like a childhood elementary school taunt. <laughs> it's just a Pyramid Head. Yeah. 
And not the best name. Right. But I mean, that's, that is what, what it is. And see, I don't, I only barely remember Silent Hill, not because I didn't want to watch it. I did. I didn't, I kind of avoided the Resident Evil and Silent Hill franchises ah. and video games. Um, it was, I, I don't, I know that I had friends that played, I know when we were learning magic, we would take breaks and whenever they did Resident Evil, I could barely, and, and I love horror, so you would think I would gravitate to it or to it, and I didn't. What was the other one? The, the Uwe Boll did, uh, House of the Dead? Yeah, that was that not was the same type game. of game, though. That was like the shooter games in the arcades. Okay, all right, all right. So, oh, okay, so that wasn't on home console. Uh, it might have been, and, but it started off as the you know like where you had the plastic guns in your hand at the arcade, like gotcha. Okay, like um, Aerosmith Revolution or those weird ones like that. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if you can gauge the because Sean Bean doesn't die in this one, does he? No. Um. Well, See? he's in the second movie, so no. Um. So, but I mean, uh, it did have the atmosphere, and it is very, very iconic. And I don't know how those people that cosplay a, mm-hmm. that character do it because even with a light material that you know the human the neck is going to get tired after a while true that yeah maybe that's why it's so angry maybe because it's bound <laughs> by this big pyramid head and so it just rips i mean that's very misogynistic well i gotta say yeah. too um the the movie is closer to the silent hill game franchise than the resident evil movies are to the resident evil game franchise Oh, um, I need to watch them then. I yeah, it's not them. it's not as close. Like I mean, I'm sorry, it's not it's not perfect by any means, but like the first one is an iteration of the first game. The first movie is like the first game, but with instead of the male lead character, they do the female lead from I think the second or third game. Um, but mm-hmm. it's still like the same overarching premise, but it'll never feel like the game because the game is meant to be more immersive and things like that and the movie just isn't going right. to do that. So um, I didn't know it was written by Roger Avery. I did or not. Par- partially written. I didn't either. He might have done like, do the like follow the up or something. Yeah, I do like the lead because she was in Pitch Black, wasn't she? Radha. I don't. I don't even know how to pronounce. Her I think name. she was. Yeah, and then Lori Holden, who was uh, Andrea on Walking Dead. <gasps> oh, okay. She plays the cop in this movie, um, which oh, isn't uh-huh. always a good thing. A lot of people don't like her, so you know. <laughs> I like her. So those people are wrong. There you go. Um, Corey. I love this movie, and it makes me sad that I had such bad scores. Um, and we've talked about it before. I'm not sure what, maybe scariest scenes or something like that. I love the nurses in this movie so much. That's the scene, right? Yeah, the, the, the nurses the are nurses. very, very cool. Yeah, that's. I'm sorry, I was reading something while trying to still listen. But yeah, the nurses are one of the coolest aspects. Um, although I, I feel like they become, they're still iconic, I guess. They're iconic as a group. Like you would you know, be saying like iconic zombies. Ooh, um, yeah. Ooh. But that's why I, I did well, the way they nurses. move, but yeah, the way they Ugh. move. And, um, I don't know how they film that, but, and again, rad. usually if at the same cons that I was talking about, you'll see, um, the people dresses, the nurses as well. So, <laughs> but, uh, um, I want to see how they, and I got to watch good pick. I love that movie. There you go. Parenthood. I don't even care. I like it. All right. Um, we said Mike was second, right? Or did I say Corey? Mike can go. I don't know. Oh, you sure? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. I will take away a strike. Yay! I was hoping that would happen. (laughs) Oh, okay. Just a half a strike then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
So what I found one of the toughest challenges with this list is avoiding the jumps to the most recent incarnations of monsters, you know, at modern day, the most contemporary. That that was tough for me. And so with that in mind, I, for the most part, went with some of the classic appearances or incarnations of some of the monsters on my list. So with that said, I will just jump right into my pick, 1958's version of the fly starring oh, Vincent wow. price david hedison and patricia owens which Vincent price is the biggest name of them i will say that cronenberg's body horror remake featuring jeff goldblum as brundlefly in the 80s i mean it that is i would say brundlefly is very iconic but without the 1958 version we wouldn't i don't know if we would have had that that because i'm guessing he watched it the same way you know i watched the fly on the small little black and white tv screen and it just left such an impression on me that surely it would have had it on on the director and stuff and and while the general overview is kind of similar this one it it, it caught me off guard i didn't know what i was getting into into the in this one and right away it just jumps right into it and then it jumps to the flashback uh have you guys watched it i th i feel like i saw it as a kid but i have not seen it as not a familiar enough. yeah okay. no okay because it kind of goes into like a murder investigation and you wonder why it's set uh, a press is set to the maximum amount of pressure that it could go on to a person uh it, i mean overall it's much tamer than the 80s remake and we won't we shouldn't even talk about the 80s remake sequel because that was just ooh. uh there are a few gruesome things for example that, that they allude to that i don't know i don't recall if they show it but uh and then the very end part where you behold <laughs> the final fate of the doctor bless you sorry okay um and that 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 line that sticks not in our the audience's head but you you see what happened because you see the monster which is half fly half man and i know nowadays it seems kind of cheesy but i forever wondered how are they you know how are they doing this there's you can hear a very very faint help me scream and then that's a terrified scream because they're they're caught in a web mm. and the spider is looming on them and they realize what that is because they can make out that it's a part of a torso on a fly's body and is about to be eaten alive by the spider and that's when vincent price does what he has to do to, to you know and it's it's pretty it's stuck in my head and so it's probably a classic that's been overlooked by our modern day horror sci-fi viewers it's more mostly because i would say they would gravitate to the, the newer and much more graphic versions but there's something i don't know about this that stuck with me well now i know exactly why because i was young and I was impressionable. You know, I uh, vital stats. Go ahead. I was gonna say the only scene I remember is that him on the spider web saying "Help me, help me." Like I think I watched it because I mentioned that I watched Elephant Man with my mom on TV, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure this is where I saw the fly, this version of the fly. But I don't think I saw all of it. I may have only seen that scene, but that scene has always stuck with me. That when I watched the '80s remake, I was waiting for that scene, and like. It, it didn't click that it was a different version of the film, and I was like, mm -hmm. "Oh, yeah. okay." Yep. And he went his own route. Oh with yeah. That and yeah. Very it was different. Very well done. And it was tough not picking that 
because even then uh, they weren't really using CGI a whole lot in that one. So it would have fit my criteria. I guess I could have tried to lump them together, but I went with the original. Uh, vital stats, 7.1 user score, MDB score, no available meta score, 95% fresh on the tomatometer. Dang. I'm, I'm going to actually reach out, like not reach out, but I'm going to look into buying this one. I, I, I'm trying to increase my old film watching um, and with Halloween, well, October approaching, I'm going to be doing the 31 Days of Horror again. So I'm starting to make like my plan of what I'm going to watch. I can promise you I will not be watching Bram Stoker's Dracula this year and probably not any Game vampire fair, movies. No. Um, I'm Girl not friends. a big vampire film fan, but I am going to be watching um, for sure. the. Oh, I'm going to go through Romero's filmography minus the more recent one. I'm basically going to do the four big zombie films, including Land of the Dead, which you know, isn't beloved by many, but I, I like, uh, despite, um, I'm going to rewatch the thing, which I wanted to do last year and didn't get to. And I'm going to be rewatching, um, evil dead again, uh, probably evil dead one and two, um, because I love those movies. So, uh, just well, I mentioned preview. to my son about the thing. And so he's, he's aware. And Abby's like, Nope, Nope. I can't do scary. Did you see, uh, that Polk theater, they have their horror list, uh, for like their retro horror for the next month. Yes. I'm not, yes. I'm not thrilled that Jaws is on the list though. Like I know Jaws is technically a horror movie. I just feel like it's more of a summer mm. movie. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I, I don't like in Halloween. Yeah, I don't feel like it fits the right vibe. Like, and honestly, like Vertigo too, which Vertigo has some horror elements, but I feel like it's more of a mystery and not a horror. And I'm just like, you guys, you're reaching with what you're what you're picking for horror this year. Um, they are doing though. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, of course, and then I can't. Two nights that? too. Yeah, and they're doing. Oh dang! That? Forgot what the big one is for Halloween though. The one on Halloween. I thought I wanted to say they went. Uh, I'm digging I'll, it up. I'll, I'll, I wanted okay. to say Halloween itself. I don't think it's Halloween because I, I remember it being. I don't know. I'm having a hard time remembering. It was something I was excited. It's The about. Shining. It's The Shining. The Shining. That's, that's right. That's right. It's dinner in a movie. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Which. Right. Oh, they're playing. American Werewolf in London, too. That's the one I want to go see on the big screen. So I'm probably going to go to that one, Mike. You can definitely come along with us. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to take Taylor to that one. But, all right, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that. But um, the the reason I got into that was I I think I'm going to add The Fly um, from 1958 to my horror-watching list. And The Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 78, is it, or 75? whatever year it is, um, because I've not seen that one. Corey and I watched last year, we watched the 50s Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which I really liked, but I've heard that the Donald Sutherland one is much scarier, so I'm very excited. I do have that in my collection already, so it's one I've been planning on watching, and I can't wait. Oh, you uh, haven't watched it? I have not seen the 70s one, no. But, um, Corey, I take it you've not seen The Fly either? I haven't, and I love... Vincent Price, and I need to watch more of his films. Yeah, he's got a lot. Hammer Films, I think, just released a bunch of Blu-rays not long ago uh, with oh, him dang. on it. Um, if I recall hearing correctly from, I can't remember if it was Pure Cinema or if it was Battleship Pretension that reviewed them, but um, there's a lot of Vincent Price stuff out there, easy to get now for you know decent prices on Blu-ray. So, and he and his wife wrote a cookbook that I kind of want to get. Is it, but is it like apparently it's pretty things? fancy. Oh, okay. No, Maybe it's cool. like a legit cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Probably a little too fancy for me. Well, then let's get to into... Serve, uh, to serve man. Yeah, to serve man. Uh, <laughs> Corey, what is your number five? 
Ah, guys. <sighs> okay, I changed my list a little bit because one of mine might be a little inappropriate to talk about on the podcast, so I put it as an honorable mention. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how I would talk about it, though. Um, uh, okay, so my number five is Krampus. Okay. And um, I, my favorite part, I guess, is that he has his own – he has a whole gang of monsters – um, probably the most terrifying to me though, um, is the Jack in the box, but, um, I just love that I haven't dug too much into like the Krampus, um, you know, all about Krampus, but, uh, I just love that it's scary with Halloween and I really enjoyed that movie, even though I wasn't expecting to, you it know, was fun. I was looking <laughs> at the IMDb to see who played Krampus in the film. Cause you're, you are talking about the Adam Scott, uh, yeah, that just quality. happened. A couple of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Luke Hawker. Because there have been other other ones that have attached the name. Yeah, there are a lot of knockoffs uh, of the character. But um, Luke Hawker is listed as playing Krampus. But what caught my attention was Seth Green is listed as playing Lumpy. Um, and there's That's Lumpy, the Jack-in-the-box, isn't it? Dumpy, and Clumpy. Um, no, oh, no, I'm guessing the fact that there's three of them implies that it's elves, either the elves, elves. Um, which is what I'm guessing. Especially because Justin Roiland, who I don't know, but there's his IMDb picture has a shorter dude standing next to a taller dude, um, implying that you know Seth Green's notoriously kind of short. So, oh, uh, I think it's the helpers. Yeah, it definitely yeah, could the... be. But um, yeah, I, I did not know Seth Green was in that movie, and I was like, oh well, look at that. Um, I didn't either. But yeah, you know, I'm trying to give credit because sometimes the actor really brings the monster to life, right? And Krampus was not only, like, cool visual, like, we probably should have done, like, research into who designed the, the look of these monsters, but apparently we're not great at researching. But, um... What? Krampus, though, looked really awesome in that movie. I loved, uh, even the way he, his menacing movements and him hopping from rooftop to rooftop, I really yeah. enjoyed that creature as well. I considered him uh, for my list. I ended up not putting him on it, but it, he is definitely, um... It's stuck in my, my memory. I, I won't f- soon forget the way the Krampus looks in that film. I, I'll say I, that being being initially resistant to it, I really didn't same. want to watch it. But my son, I don't know what it was. This one, and there's a couple others that he's picked up. But this one, and being PG-13, I was like, all right, we'll, you know, what could... And it de- definitely felt reminiscent of, let's say, Joe Dante's Gremlins. Yep. You know, but it with its own, you know, because it's comes from lore and and previous, you know, history. It was really, it was a very pleasant surprise. I didn't know what it was going, what I was getting into, going, you know, to watch it, and then I, I, I was hooked. Yeah, and it was really well done. That's why it was really disappointing when we saw other ones attached just to just to, you know how it how it happens and they attach the name and. There it is. It's just avoid any of the other ones besides this original because it's so well done. You won't need to watch the other ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely don't. Be careful with which ones you pick. You want Adam Scott in your movie because there are a lot of knockoffs out there. Um, I think, Corey, you, um, you mentioned one like Krampus versus Santa or something that was on one of the uh, oh anthologies. It was. I, think. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of it, but yeah. Um came out i think uh, last year or the year before yeah i think so well, I'm, gl- I'm glad my son he knows all right well if it's a and, certain rating i'll watch because 
I think it was Krampus Unleashed. And I'm like, well, let me see. Oh. And uh, I was like, whoa. I'm like, no. Because it was more <laughs> like a... Uh, I'm trying to find the best way to describe it. It was, it, mm, it, it was pushing the R rating. Got it. So, and I'm not talking violence-wise. Ah, yeah. Yeah, because that's usually violence. I mean, we let our kids play fairly violent video games. It's the uh, the sexuality that often pushes me to not let her see something, which um, not to jump back into, I should mention with Wind River though, um, not a lot of sexuality in the film, but there is uh, a crime and the crime does involve uh, a sexuality mm. element. So heads up with younger audiences on that one. But that said, uh, let's get into my number four. Um, and unlike the previous monster where I didn't know who played it, this one I actually am very familiar with the actor who plays this creature. Um, he is kind of, that's what he does. He plays these very interesting characters and he often plays them for the same director of my film, which I'm going with Doug Jones as the pale man in Pan's Labyrinth, um, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Um, if, if you're not sure who the pale man is and you're a listener, but you've maybe seen Pan's Labyrinth, he's the one with the eyes on his palms. Um, very creepy looking monster. Doug Jones actually works double duty for Pan's Labyrinth because he plays the fawn as well but um i picked the pale man to be my on my list for number four um even before i saw pan's labyrinth i was kind of creeped out by that creature the the art design of it uh even though it's not in the movie that long but when it is there it is haunting uh terrifying and um doug jones does an excellent job of being this creepy uh, just nightmare inducing character and Del Toro's visions for uh, his fantasies are always fantastic. I'm looking forward to his new movie coming out in a couple of months. Um, something with water. I can't ever remember the name of this film, though. Um, Shape of Water? Is that what it is? I think so. Um, and it looks fantastic. And ev- the comparisons from the people who've already got to see it are that it's like the next level of Pan's Labyrinth. So, um, this, But the creature that Doug Jones plays here... Uh, has left a lasting impact on me, and it's it's definitely worthy of being my number four. That's a good I'm pick. Amazed, yeah, it is iconic, and Guillermo del Toro just so well building that whole world. Oh, uh, it's I am in awe at the number of credits that Doug Jones has mm-hmm. movie wise, one hundred sixty three. Yeah. So I'm, oh, sure enough, that's another Guillermo del Toro, The Shape of Water. Yep. And, and he's Michael playing Shannon the asset. is in it. Yeah, yep. Michael Stahlberg. Yeah, and he's Stahlberg. um he's also in the Hellboy Richard movies Jenkins. as the uh, Abe yep. Sabian. Abe Sabian. Mm-hmm. Sadly, sadly, he was in Bye Bye Man. So yeah. maybe he just he gets, made it to... He's a tall, lanky guy. He gets cast in these roles. Um, If they ever do like a, a feature Slenderman film, I'm guaranteeing he will be the Slenderman. Ooh. Um. Uh, apparently, there, there have been slender, there, there's been a couple of Slenderman films already. True, but they've not, not been big budget. Yeah. I feel like they've been low budget. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. HBO, I think had, I think it was HBO, or Sci-Fi had a series that was, I think it was HBO, um, and he's like in that. But yeah, Doug Jones. Uh, very rarely does he play a human character. Um, in fact, there's a movie called Always Watching that the monster on the cover looks like Slenderman. So. I may I may have already predicted something he already did. Oh, and he was even in Crimson Peak as Edith's mother and Lady Sharp. Um yes. so yeah, he he Del Toro loves him. Uh he does great costume work. He was also on a pretty decent T V series called Falling Skies on TNT. 
Um, oh yeah. And he was one of the the main aliens that interacted with the humans. Um, Cochise, I think, was his name. Um, he was one of the 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 one episode that was all silent in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. He was in that. Yeah, the dude's got some credits, and uh, he's really good at bringing these characters to life. Um, I almost would say he's similar to uh, Andy Serkis with mocap. Doug Jones is to you know tall, creepy monsters because um, he, he's he's a good actor too. He just because of his look, he ends up in these costumes. He was a Silver Surfer, if I'm not mistaken, too. In the um, he's not the voice and of Surfer though. Um, Lawrence Fishburne the, the was. Shape. He is the the body of sur- the Surfer. Um, I wish I were tall and lanky. I'm tall right? and lanky, Envy. I'm I'm totally not tall and or lanky. So. <laughs> but yeah, I know we're all fans of the film, and he was a monster that I could not leave off my list. No, it's fantastic. It's a great... That is a truly iconic monster. All right, let's go to number four for Mike. Uh, what is your number right. four? Well, my pick continues with my tendency to keep with classic versions of a famous monster, and I'm going all the way back to 1933... Oh, no guesses? Um, 33, I want to say... Oh, go see. No, that wasn't 33. I don't Maybe know. it was. The year's not going to help me, but I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Frankenstein. No, I actually went big. Um, King Kong. Oh. Ah, King Kong. Yeah. Oh. Because uh, I, I, I wanted... I, it was tough not including a big monster, but this one... I mean, if you would ask me in my teenage years, I would probably have likely jumped to the... Very lacking 70s version with Jessica Lang and Jeff Bridges. But being older and looking back, I'm glad you're not asking me in my teenage years. Uh, this is, again, one of those ones. This 1933 Fay Ray version captivated me. I couldn't get enough of it. Sadly, in the 80s, and for any particularly younger viewer listeners, there was no such thing as TV on demand. It wasn't a thing. And in my home, VCR Betamax player wasn't in the works for many years. Uh, thankfully, there, there there were still the creature feature blocks on local TV channels, and that was definitely more common, and I would luck out. And being from 33, I think public domain kind of things allowed play channels to run this a, lo- a whole lot more. Um, I was able to take in monsters, but this was the monster, and... It left an impression. I know uh, around that same time, Mighty Joe Young, which was, I want to say, derivative of King Kong, but uh, King Kong is the one that, he is the king. And uh, I I shudder to think the amount of work that it must have taken to create the stop motion effects Mm. that, you know, composed not just his, but the the dinosaurs and other creatures. And, And... for anyone that has even any, because it's not that CGI doesn't have its place and not that it's always easier because in the early versions of it, you could kind of get that plasticky, very fake, and it's gotten so much better now. And there is the render time and the, you know, the programming time and all that. And that is impressive, but there's just something about, I, I get really stuck on those kind of practical effects. Um, and for me, it just stands the test of time. Uh, let's see, 7.9 user IMDb score, no meta score, and an almost, almost perfect 98% fresh rating on the tomatometer. Yeah, I bought that, after seeing Kong Skull Island, I bought a uh, dual set of the 33 King Kong and then the Son of Kong. 
Um, I've, <laughs> I've not watched yet. I'm planning on getting to those. I, I feel like I saw the old one when I was a kid, but I have not watched it when I was more aware of film. Um, so I really want to get into it. Um, and interesting, though, uh, Peter Jackson did the 2005 King Kong film. Um, Andy Serkis is the motion capture mm-hmm. for Kong. So, I, yeah, I just mentioned him. So I wanted, mm. um, well, obviously small world. not relevant to the overall topic, but, you know, to the character of Kong. I'm surprised for that double pack they didn't include uh, Most Dangerous Game. Uh, I know I the story. Um, yeah, yeah because they were sister productions. It was filmed at night on the same island set as yep. Kong uh, and even the same actress. And I think one of the actors is in okay. both movies as a result of the studio system yeah. at the time. Yep. Yep. I used to show that movie um, after we read the short story in uh, my yep. English class. So. <laughs> I remember teaching. Well, I didn't have to teach it. I remember learning it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the, that short story quite a bit too, actually. So, did you ever see the Ice T version of that? Yeah, <laughs> where it's more in um in a forest or something. Yeah, it, uh, I apologize. Is it No Escape? Uh, I want to say it was called. Uh, I have to dig it up. I want to say Dangerous Game, but oh, okay. I could be wrong. I mean, the, or, that story um, has been, you know, even The Simpsons did an episode of that. Um, oh, that's funny. But, yeah, there it's a parodied story quite a bit as the premise is very, you know, captivating in many ways um, of a hunter well, who's lost could... interest in the animals and so hunts people instead. Even Jean-Claude Van Damme got into the game because he, uh, I would figure Hard Target would fit under that. Yeah, probably. I think I Christopher Lambert far, had but... one, too. Um I Did could be wrong. Really? I could be wrong. Oh, there was no escape. That's no escape. Okay. They were trying to get out of that uh, because he and his wife were wanting to have a baby and they were as a dystopian future. Mm-hmm. That I remember. Is that way? Is that one? Or was that really on? I can't remember now. Now they're getting all mixed up. It's all blurred together. But, all right. Um, Corey, have you seen the original King Kong? I have not. I've not watched a whole King Kong movie ever. Really? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I recommend Kong Skull Island. I thought it was well done. Uh, I wanted to see that one, and I miss it in theaters. It, it we wanted been... to rent it today, and we forgot it. Oh, it's good. I definitely recommend both of you check it out. Um, okay, well, let's go to Corey's number helps, four then. Oh, go ahead, Mike. If it helps you any, it's only an hour and 40 minutes, just to say. <laughs> the original. But Peter Jackson's yes. is oh. three hours long, so. Uh, <laughs> yep, because he can't make short movies, apparently. Um He's overcompensating. <laughs> his oh, monkey, his no. monkey, are you saying his monkey wasn't big <laughs> enough? All right, Corey, what's your number four? I can't be a part of this anymore. Um, I've only seen this movie two or three times, I think. Once was with you, John. Um, it was, It's 1922's Nosferatu. Ah, yes. I love Max Shrek as Count Orlock. Um, I think that he is by far the creepiest... Um, version um i love his long you know skinny pointy fingers and his pointy face and his huge bushy eyebrows and his um he's the only vampire that i can think of that has the two fangs in the very front um Mm. so i just i love i love him so much well as the count the quintessential yeah Vampire, even though beyond, it's beyond stolen from Dracula, yeah, but, no, but I mean, I think it fits. Um, did you all ever play any of the World of Darkness RPGs or anything like that? No, 
with the different vampire clans. And there's one specifically that has that Nosferatu. I think the clan was Nosferatu. I read the books. Oh, did you? Oh, you would have liked the game, probably. Because oh. the card game was fantastic. Vampire, the Eternal Struggle, which was renamed from Jihad, because I think they were, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's uh, All Wizards of the Coast. It was really, it had politics involved with it, as well as combat and the tapping mechanics. And I know I'm getting, I'm over-nerding on it but really solid and that's you know they use that but not only that did you ever catch the 2000 shadow of the vampire i did the uh, no. where um william willem dafoe is playing mm-hmm. olaf shrek. uh he yeah i'm sorry he's playing um max shrek who is making this ratu the film with um john malkovich playing the director and mm-hmm. uh it is as if like what if he was a real vampire that Malkovich found versus it being like a guy pretending to be a vampire for a film. It's, it's hold on. When did you say that movie was made? 2000, 2000. Oh, I have seen this. I forgot that it had, I've only seen parts of it, but, um, it also has Eddie Izzard in it. It does. Yep. He plays the, uh, the lead in the film. Yep. Um, Gustav on. Oh, I didn't realize it has Carrie. You, I should watch that. that. It's, it's not, it's not great. To be honest, I watched, I watched it last year. I thought, I thought it was Aww. it's fine. Um, it's okay. not great, but and it's long, uh, isn't it? That, it's uh, it talent, feels long. Hour and thirty. Oh, I'm sorry, it's two seconds longer than King. It's no, it's eight seconds shorter than King Kong. It, yeah, uh, it's an hour and thirty-two minutes. But it, it feels oh. feels eight longer. minutes shorter. <laughs> All right, um, but the version that Corey and I watched of Nosferatu last year was on Amazon Prime. For free, and it was not the original the version. The oh. title cards had been replaced to um, correct because you know this movie was made because they couldn't get the rights to Bram Stoker's Dracula, so he changed the name to Nosferatu and changes all the names of the characters. And the title cards that we had in our version had all of the Bram Stoker's content instead, um, and they looked really bad, like they weren't good cuts. So I don't know. Um, I've not seen awkwardly. the correct cut. I do believe it is on the Criterion Collection, though the original, like the what we should see, the theatrical release, uh, as close as they can get to it. And I need to watch it with those title cards because I've not seen that the correct version. Apparently, there's a lot of versions of this movie out there though that are you know somebody's edit or somebody's adjustments um, because of the, the. It's like well, because it's in public domain. That and the time, even back then, there the way film prints were managed, it was easy for them to be. <laughs> Didn't uh, they tried to destroy all of the versions of it, though? Yeah, but they're thought... still out there, from my understanding. Again, because that's I know for a fact the version we watched is not the right version. So um, <laughs> I didn't know it when I watched it, mind you. I didn't go in. I was just saying, hey, this one's free. I'll watch this one. And then found out later. I was like, because I'm like, when we were watching, I was like, these title cards look really bad. Like, I don't understand why they look so bad. Um, I've seen plenty of silent films to know that they don't have to look cruddy. And they looked really cruddy. And um yeah, that's why. So, but they definitely had, uh, a good Jack pick. Black, Jack Black and Mustaf holding them up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we watched oh, the, that... the Be Kind Rewind those <laughs> Um the what I was thinking of is that Stoker's heirs um sued over the adaptation and it a court ruling um ordered that all the copies they yes. had made be destroyed. So, but that's why they, they were uh, blood blood uh, and their campaign against Nostra. Yeah. So but definitely a good pick, Corey. He's an iconic monster to say the least. 
Um, let's get into my number three. And I did something different than Mike. Mike went uh, when he when his like King Kong is in several movies. He picked one movie. I cheated, and I just kind of <gasps> lumped them all into one. Um, but I picked for my number three one of my favorite horror monsters, especially from the '80s, Jason Voorhees, um, which. I'm attributing the whole Friday the 13th franchise. Technically speaking, he's not in the first one, at least not as we would come to well, love him. not as, right. Yeah. Um, and, but it started, Friday the 13th started in 1980, and the last one uh, that I could find for sure was in 2009, which was um, Friday the 13th. I think they had another word at the end of it to, like, imply it was not, um, wow, I did not know the Friday the 13th, the original has a 19 Metacritic score. Um, what? Out of five critic reviews only, though. So some some kind of re-release probably got graded. Uh, it was probably not from the original film as much as, like, they must have re-released it on Blu-ray or something, and that was when critics generally will redo that. But um, I, The Bram Stoker I, family went after. Yeah. <laughs> I've always loved Jason. Um, when I was a kid, uh, probably teenage years, they used to do Friday the 13th marathons whenever there was a Friday the 13th, right? Like, so anytime Friday the 13th, USA would just run them, and I would just watch them um, that whole time. I really got into Jason. Like, so when you think of iconic monsters from the 80s, um, Jason's the one that I attach to. He's, he's definitely my favorite, um, and that's why I bought the Friday the 13th video game that came out a few months back where you get to play either as campers being hunted by a character-controlled Jason or you play as Jason going to hunt down all the campers, and it's... A fun experience and that was what I, I never thought of Jason really as scary as much as like how inventive is this film going to get with its kills you know and it became more of like not a comedy but there was like a fun element of watching this you know and um, I still feel that way about Jason that's why it's still um, there but I mean think of if you can't think of a Halloween like haunted house or something where there's not somebody rocking a hockey mask uh, the whole look of Jason has become such an iconic character in the, in even now in our pop culture and movies that are you know over thirty seven years old now still have relevance in today's pop culture and I'm sure there is talk of another movie coming out in the near future and despite many bad sequels particularly Jason X where it really went off the chain and went into space and all that um, it the character hasn't been diminished despite all the bad movies and that's hard to say about a lot of other iconic monsters so. I couldn't leave Jason off, so I didn't. For, unlike the counselors who let him drown, I could not forget about this kid. So, <laughs> Jason Voorhees is my number three on my top five iconic <laughs> movie monsters. I, you must have read my mind because I was curious on your thoughts on Jason X. What are your thoughts in the Freddy versus Jason, which should have been Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, but they couldn't get oh, that. That would have been so cool. Um, I mean, I think the movie's not great as a whole uh but i i was all about it i went and saw it i bought it when it came out um because i like jason and i, I like freddie too i don't want to like dismiss freddie but jason was always the one that i clicked with um he's scarier to me well Fre freddie's scarier to me yeah because he can get into your head like when you're sleeping and that's scary jason at least you have a fighting chance in theory even though he he is a hulking, mm, you're gonna well, fall while you're running through the woods. <laughs> He's well, gonna get he you. Could, he could also get into your head while you're sleeping, just in a different, different way, way, a yep. more literal way. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, I I've always liked Jason more. Um, and in that, I was rooting for Jason. If I I don't remember for sure, but doesn't he lose though to Freddy? 
I thought, no, 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 I don't think so. Oh, okay, great. I thought at the end, Freddy's head was being carted off. Okay. Carried off by Jason, I thought. I couldn't recall, because I know when Jason goes to hell, you see Freddy's hand come out of the ground and pull the mask, uh, the, the hockey Which mask, into the ground. Which I think was the, the impetus for, for it was. them wanting to do that. Yeah, and it took many years to actually be able to pull that off, but um, it, it just like Alien vs. Predator, neither of those films, I think, were what the fans were looking for. I think they put too much emphasis on the people in the movies and not enough emphasis on the, the monsters that we wanted to see fight. That's what we wanted, um, you know. It'd be like paying for Mayweather and uh, McGregor and oh, and not seeing them get to fight. <laughs> so that's my number three. Um, you guys have anything to add to Jason? He is iconic. I didn't put him on my list because he everybody loves Jason. Yeah, I he think. is. Like I said, mine, mine's a little more obvious. So, but not not that he's bad. He's good. He's a juggernaut. I. It's so weird to see him from the first one where the mom was the spoilers the mom was the killer and you know what's odd i just watched scream again oh nice this uh friday night i think it was and i'm like that's right she should have known i just love she that movie scream yes yes me too is it a secret it's a secret yeah um okay. i think that there's something more terrifying about being in the woods and so often my family I think it was my dad's goal to make us live as far away from civilization as possible and just where they would work and stuff. I would find myself at home alone often and we were like in the only house in the middle of the woods. So there's just something scary about that to me. Yeah. And no, I, I agree. would have never gone away to a, you know, camp. I did Oops. go to a church camp did... once, but it wasn't, Ooh. it wasn't as like isolated as they are in crystal crystal lake. So, it's in a core just because your dad went around going, <laughs> I mean, gosh, I can't imagine why he's trying to build your resistance up. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> right? you can't be afraid of everything, Corey. Um, and hockey's a and great now she's not afraid of anything. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, Mike, what is your number three iconic movie monster? Right. My number three. So I'm going to kind of provide a preface, and but you guys might be familiar, but for the listeners that may not be, um, anything that's typically adapted, any works adapted from Clive Barker, his written page can be a tricky thing. I think Stephen King, the same principle applies. And even though I'm still waiting for his enormous, I forget how thick Imagica is to be given a film treatment, although with the Dark Tower being given the presentation and the, the treatment it has, I don't know, maybe I don't want Imagica to be filmed or ever tackled ever anyway so my pick is and it's not going to be the normal clive barker pick i usually go with the underdogs because when people hear clive barker they associate that with well, you guys are you guys familiar with clive barker yeah oh, i bit, love candy yeah. man yeah oh that well okay well i wasn't going that route although that, he is very iconic uh, i was going for the entire population of midian and clive barker's nightbreed from 1990 Okay. I want gonna... to see that movie, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, I'm going to just preface it because the scores for the film are the worst from my top five list so far. 6.5 user score, IMDb score, no meta score, 36% rotten rating on the Tomatometer. I don't care. In any case, I mean, I know that for some people, the Cenobites from Hellraiser are probably one of the more popular demonic type of creature, and Doug Bradley has been at is amazing he is pinhead i i don't know that they could ever do 
a Hellraiser movie without him, and I know it's been tried. Uh, I think there was one made without him, but it's a mistake. Uh, the the for me, the denizens of the mythical realm of Midian needed some love, and what's really intriguing to me is, and as far as this group of monsters, is the fact that the, is the contrast with the actual even more monstrous characters that are humans. Uh, David Cronenberg, uh, David Cronenberg, Cronenberg, the director, he plays uh, a psychoanalyst, Dr. Philip Decker, who is basically the antagonist, the main uh, main character. And, I mean, he goes... I mean, initially you figure the creatures of Midian, which they... I don't know what kind of work they had to do um, makeup-wise, because there's like a porcupine... Uh, creature and her daughter and all these different creatures that are not your typical you know it's i think guillermo del toro probably did a whole much better way i think of pan's labyrinth kind of thing because he got all these different mm -hmm. creatures and that's what clive barker was doing here and i don't know what kind of budget they had and this was if i recall right the first one he directed as well so there may have been some of that as uh, you know as well as maybe producer push or production push where they didn't allow, because there's at least one or two cuts of this particular film, where they, there's stuff that's added. Um, but considering they're the monsters, for me, they ended up being more sympathetic than I would expected them to be. The crazed doctor, played by David Cronenberg, I mean, he literally does everything he can to, to frame or, or even get the main character killed. And uh, it's just the kind of work, I don't know if you, I don't, it's hard. You'd have to almost do a search because there's so many different kinds of creatures that are, are made make up the population, and it's all done with traditional makeup, or plaster casts, or uh, you know latex, or whatever they do. I I don't even know how many hours the actors and actresses had to be in makeup before they even got into hmm. working, and that for me stuck out on top of you know the fact that it's not these aren't monsters or creatures that you've seen before. Yeah. I have not seen a lot of his stuff. Apparently I'm looking through his, I've seen the Candyman movies, at least one in three. I'm not sure if I saw two or not. I definitely saw three in the theater with a group of friends. And, um, I haven't seen any of the Hellraisers in their entirety. I've seen clips from Hellraisers, but I've not, I don't know anything about Nightbreed. Is that, that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't, uh, um, watched it or read it. It is listed as his number two, though, on IMDb for him. So it's Hellraiser, Nightbreed, and Lord of Illusions. So that gives you any, uh, you know, credibility to your pick here that it's on his top four, well, top three for Android because Android is Android. So, um, but yeah, uh, I can't add anything else because I don't know anything about it. But it sounds interesting. Unfortunately, same. No. I need to. Uh, I feel like explore. like I'm looking at the cover, and some of it looks really familiar to me. But you know, like the monsters look really familiar. But I think I I am immediately thinking when I see the cover and the word night, I think zombies because of Night of the Living Dead. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's not I a zombie that. film, but that's where my mm -hmm. head went. Um, but yeah. Well, and the other thing too is, and looking at the the poster for it, the way it's it's. It, it marketing wise the way the studio handled it it made it seem more like a slasher film mm. uh, and it's not it's it's more than that and the poster does make it 
kind of harkens back to exploitation films with those eyes, just eyes wide open. And it makes her think like she's being terrorized by her boyfriend and going from there. I don't know if you're looking at that poster. Uh, The one I'm looking at is just the eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but the creek. Oh yeah. And I forgot about the crescent. uh, I call him the Mac, the knife guy. Do you guys remember the McDonald's McDonald's Mac, the knife. Uh, That's what he looks like to me. There's just, it's different. And then on top of that, the way David Cronenberg, because he has his own kind of monstrous persona on top of it. It's kind of cool. Hmm. It's got a, a Rorschach kind of look to it. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I guess we go to uh, Corey's number three. Okay. I feel like this is ch- cheating, um, but I went with The Thing. Okay. Eh. And I kind of surprised. Why, why do you think that's cheating? Because he... Well, I'm saying he because everyone in the film is a he. But, right. um, Don't assume it's gender. <laughs> um, it's darn it. Um, because he it it morphs, it changes. That's not cheating. Well, I okay. think she means as far as like it doesn't have a single it's, look like the other it's ones. Not, that yeah, we, it's that not. We've mentioned. Which I, I, it's definitely though still an iconic monster. It's just its power mm-hmm. allows it to be uh, different things. I have you seen this one, John? I have seen it. I just need to rewatch it. It's been a while since I've watched it. Okay, because I was gonna say just to clarify. It's nineteen eighties. The thing or eighty two? Sorry. Yeah, it's not the remake that I didn't even know about until a few years ago. This it is a remake. Hold on, what? Yes, yes, Howard Hawks. Was there another? Howard Hawks directed the first. Hold on, what? Yeah, I just actually. Found that detail out today. Oh, but there was another one. It looks like in 2011. Although that is yeah. a prequel to this one, not a oh. not a total remake. It's supposed to be the group what? that's there before they come to investigate. But it's not okay. supposed to be very good, despite Mary Elizabeth Winstead being in it. Oh, that's, that's really the we talked part of it. Okay, I was like, well, we talked about they it. Replaced replaced the practical effects with CGI. And the assistance are so amazing in this movie. It's so disgusting so much of it is just absolutely disgusting um and i haven't seen a lot of kurt russell films which <gasps> is kind of sad to say but um i'm sorry mike i'm just here to disappoint you always <laughs> um but i and i haven't seen a lot of john carpenter's work either um but i just love this movie and he did the fog i've seen a few but not i know he has quite the filmography but and we've talked about this, the sense of isolation in this film and just not having anywhere to go makes it even more terrifying. Yeah. It, yeah. It adds and it's winter it, and bleak and it's just. It, I mean, they have nowhere to go. And the closest places, well, the, the Norwegians that you, we all know what happened to them at this point, this is a 30, 35 year old movie. And yeah. it holds up. It does so well. The, the effects, the creature that, this tension between them all. No female leads at all. Uh, just these guys stuck on a base. And they don't know who they can trust. Which was <laughs> a very key element in the video game. Which oh. I missed out. I need to try to dig up because I think it was for original Xbox. And with, I think with so. All the, or, uh, with all the backward combat compatibility. Uh, a, lot, an, a pivotal part of the game was the trust. And how do you know who to trust? And 
throughout this film, they finally figure out a way and, and, and even then, even with the tests, once it gets to the end, uh, well, between Childs and, and, um, and McCready, and we've, I think we've had the, discuss, the discussion too, the way it was filmed and looking to see which one exhales and has the, the, the you can tell them warmth of the breath versus uh, what did he really give Childs in the cup? And that's how he knows, because there's a theory that instead of liquor, he had filled, it was a Molotov and it was filled with, with gasoline. And so now he knows for sure this is an alien, Childs. Uh -huh. um, there's also theories, there's a, that where there's the glint in an eye that gives you a hint of well, who's human and who's not. It, there's a lot to it. And this is, like I said, this is a 35 year old film and people still, uh, you know, the fr the only frustration I have it, and you know, I love John Carpenter, you know, I love this film. The only frustration is we never, and we will never see what its actual form because it can be anything. We <laughs> don't know what it looks like. Which is where what I think really looks like. why Corey was apologizing is unlike the other no. ones on our list. We don't really. Yeah. No, and that's okay. I mean, that adds to it. But see, and it's never, you know, how sometimes you get given that answer. Mm -hmm. You know, Carpenter never provided that to us. And that's fine. And traditionally, like, I wish. But traditionally, when they build something up so, like, to be such a cool creature. Anything he would give us probably wouldn't live up to our our imagination, and It'd be so a disappointment. it would probably be disappointing. Um, which I've seen oh, plenty it, it, of horror it, it, movies where like I'm the build up for the monster is so compelling, and then you get it, and I mean you're just like it. really, yeah, well, yeah. It sometimes less is better. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes less is better for sure. All right, uh, that's definitely a great pick, Corey. The thing I wouldn't be surprised. I was expecting it to be on Mike's list, so we'll have Mike's, to see. I was too. It might be. Okay. He, it might be. He might not be telling us. Remember, that's the new stipulation. Word. Um, all right, then I guess we're on to my number two. And Mike, I already mentioned this. Um, I picked Jeff Goldblum as Brundlefly from The Fly in 1986, uh, movie from David Cronenberg. Um, I was. I just watched this. Maybe t I can't remember if it was last year. I feel like it was longer, and I feel like it was like two or three years ago. Um, and I, I actually was taken to the theater as a kid to see this, but <laughs> but I fell asleep before anything oh, happened. Um, my, it was like a late show. I remember going to the theater. I had the pillow. I was already scared before the movie even started because I was like really – I'm saying like young. like under, I don't even think I was in school yet. Um, it was 86. I would have been four. So, um, Good gravy. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, but again, my mom had a plan. She brought a pillow. I fell asleep in the, the chair you know, whatever. But, um, when I watched this a few years ago, I didn't know what I was getting into. I, rem I remembered the, the, <laughs> the fly on, um, the web, you know what I mean? And uh -huh. I'm actually thinking that they might've shown that clip before they played the movie at that, that screening that my mom went to, because I distinctively remember seeing it when I thought I was seeing this movie, but I know I saw this movie with my mom for a few minutes before I passed out. But Brundlefly had haunted me for like days after watching it it is so creepy it is like the way like he, he throws up on the dude's arm and it just like melts it's so gross and it's it's so it like burned into my brain um so much about it. even the transition like jeff goldblum as he's starting to transition and he's you know exhibiting different traits of the fly those are even creepy um and eventually it's just absolutely horrifying to see um all the way through and i think it's such an iconic monster 
Um, I didn't know it was called Brundlefly, though. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Do they actually say that in the movie? Um, he met, he refers to himself as Brundlefly. Because his, his last name is Brundle, so that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it is, uh, man, just such cool makeup, uh, makeup and design. Um, and, again, even just through the transitions as he's starting to become the fly, um, it's so creepy. And I, I will never forget seeing it. So... In my head, it's it's the number two iconic movie monster. And rightly so. I agree with you. I didn't include him because I wanted to pay homage to the original inspiration mm-hmm. for the film and the effects. And long ago, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on the podcast, there was a Netflix doesn't have it anymore, but on instant they had, I think it was called Everyday Monsters, the house fly. And it, I mean, it truly is monstrous the way they are and, and, and what they do and uh, I, I I get bothered if I grow you know a, a thin hair on my back and Brundlefly, <laughs> you know he started growing those thick, you know uh, human fly hybrid hairs. Yeah. And um, you know I am not uh, in the way that some Star Trek characters don't want to be transported. I don't I don't know that we need. I mean I want teleportation as a thing to you know I want it to be fetch. But uh, <laughs> stop trying to make fetch happen. But that, that is worrisome as far as with living material because that's all it took. A mm-hmm. minuscule fly, you don't really register, and the computer meshes them together on the DN, on the basic DNA level, and yeah, it, it does leave it open for that that sequel because Gina Davis's character gets pregnant. Um, right away what got me is once he was getting his powers and he's, he's not quite realizing but when he arm wrestles in that bar yeah and he snaps that guy's arm I'm yeah like, oh my gosh uh, because i was probably younger than i needed to be when i when i watched it myself um i but and you know and then at the end the thing with the shotgun because yes he's becoming a monster but he does realize that that and before he takes it out or because he does melt the one guy's arm, but he yeah. doesn't. He, still, he has enough of himself that he remembers Gina Davis's character and that he just helps, holds that shotgun to himself. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's a tragedy it at the end, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I've not seen the second one, as in, and I, the reason is because of what you said. It's supposed to be absolutely it's, awful. Um, it is terrible. Uh, although I, it, it is the sun, um like it's mm-hmm. her it's Eric her Stoltz. yeah yeah yep. yep not gonna watch it but there you go brundle fly is my number two um cory have you seen the fly no really i think i've seen parts of it sorry guys this... <laughs> i know i too apparently need to broaden my horror horizons yeah i i think this one's definitely worth watching it is it's scary it's not like scary like horror in the sense of jump scares and stuff although i think there might be one or two towards the end but man it is a very, you know, viable premise because, like Mike mentioned, um, we all want the idea of transportation. It sounds amazing. So, like when it happens and it, the way it plays out, it's it's creepy. It is, uh, it's mm-hmm. it's haunting um, in a different way. It very it it leaves a lasting impact on you um, when you see it. So definitely check it out, uh, Mike. What's your number two? All right. So I'm of the opinion that lycanthropes are creatures that. If they're well done, and when they are well done, can be extremely effective. 
However, when they're done poorly, for example, let's say in Mystery Science Theater 3000's version, uh, when they did a, a film called Werewolf, it can not only be painful, but kind of embarrassing to have admitted that you've watched it. Although, thankfully, the riffing helps with that. So, my pick is one, obviously, that does it right. 1981's An American Werewolf in London. I thought that would be on your list. Um, some werewolf lovers would probably lean towards more of the howling route. And that was, that's actually one that I wasn't introduced to, even though I probably should have. I, I really love Dee Wallace Stone from E.T. And she starred in it. And I'll be honest, full disclosure, I still haven't watched the original howling. And so I guess I lose points for that. So one of these days I'll have to watch the original. I haven't seen it. In any howling. case. Okay, good. So we're in the same boat. Corey? I haven't seen it either. We've hit the trifecta of the howling. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, I know there will be people that that that's their go-to, uh, and I know most of it, but I just don't have. I've not watched it. But American Werewolf in London. I'm gonna stick. That's the one that I gravitated to. It's dark humor. There's visceral visceral kills, um, post-kill appearances by the victims. Dream, really surreal dream sequences. Uh, the painfully brutal transformation scenes. That's that. Yeah. The, that made this my go-to werewolf film. I mean, you, think of the Wolfman in the you know the the fifties, forties, fifties, the black and white classic Wolfman. You know, you kind of yeah. And even then, you, the suspension of disbelief got lost. But in this one, it's you see how painful and and this is how I related to it because the idea of growing pains. You know, have you ever if you all remember when you were younger and you could just kind of feel that mm -hmm. ache in your bones yep. and you see his hands stretching out and, you know, his body contorting and changing and, you know, uh, it's just, and again, this is pre CGI era. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I figured that David Naughton who ended up having like a disco hit on the radio and Griffin Dunn, the main leads would be, have been huge after this. And it didn't seem to pan out, unfortunately. I mean, uh, the the days are gone of werewolf films having the traditional makeup effects attached to them. Um, I'm thinking more of Underworld, which I know people love, but it's you yeah. know it's got it. But and, and Twilight. I, I, Let's not forget Twilight, man. Twilight, and so it's it's not the same. And for me, and I, we brought this up very recently. Dog Soldiers. That's why I gravitated to that because this, that one's like, oh, okay, more raw, more real. Um, if you have not checked this one, checked this one out yet, you need to. Seven point six user score, IMDb score has no meta score and an eighty nine percent fresh on the tomatometer. Yep, and I um, not only have I seen this movie, and I plan on rewatching it. Actually, um, like I said, I'm hoping to go to the Polk Theater and check it out. Um, it is, and we should mention it's directed by John Landis. Um, Yes. And, uh, but this Written was my favorite, um, house at Halloween Horror Nights twice. Uh, Ooh, they, so good. they did it two years, uh, not in a row. I think it was spaced out by a year or so, but Corey, myself and Brendan all went. Um, and that was easily probably my favorite house at both of the years that they had one. Um, it was scary. It was, uh, awesome, like references to the film, but it was just, it was great. And, um, yeah, it's a, a classic, and I think that makes one for me, and I'm pretty sure Corey's seen this movie. I have not. What? Well, 
I've only seen the newer one. American Sorry, Werewolf in Paris. Paris. American Werewolf in yeah. Paris. Oh my god. <laughs> Back when it came you're, out, actually. You are, you're out of here. I'm what? out. Bye, guys. I guess you'll <laughs> never know my top two. Um, um, I have seen parts of it, but I, when I was um, researching for this list, it kept coming up, but I've wanted to see this one for a while, especially after we went to that rad house. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Yes, it is on okay. Netflix, right? It is currently okay. on Netflix. I literally just put it on the Kindle. I'm starting it right now. Oh, <laughs> we're sitting in the podcast. Silently, of course. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm focused. Hey, I'm still. I've had the IT crowd running as I've been working. Here, oh wow, so. that's a great show. Um, I know, and I've yet remained remained focused. See, I can multitask. I have ADHD or something. Oh well. Corey, it's definitely one you should check out soon. I think you'll love it, and it's one I need to revisit. Like, but um, and the American Werewolf in Paris had the dude that played Guy in that thing you do. Tom Everett Scott. Tom yep, Everett Scott. Really dopey. And yep. it did have a really great song from Bush. Uh, Mouth was from. Um, they had a different version of Mouth for that movie that was great. So, um, there's my little trivia on American Werewolf in Paris. But let's get to well. Corey's number two. I'm so glad that we don't like have the you know camera like recording anymore because my poker face wouldn't have been very good but my number two is the pale man from pan's labyrinth oh, very nice um and he is only in the um film for a short time but it's probably my favorite part of the movie um it's so creepy and this is I had a hard time with this movie the first time I watched it and then I didn't watch it again for a long time because I felt like they marketed it as a horror movie and I didn't feel like, so I went in looking for it to be that type of movie and it wasn't really, you know? Um, yeah. So that's partly my fault, partly whoever marketed it as well. But um, I have since rewatched it and I think it's a really good movie, but I love that he, his eyeballs are on a plate. He has to place <laughs> them in the palms of his hands or his sockets. Um, and he, like holds his hands in front of his face. He's just so creepy. Um, I again with the long, skinny. His fingers are like red and black. Um, he's just got like this saggy, like loose skin and these skinny legs. And I just think that he's such a good monster. Um, and he eats children. Yeah, lots of children. And the piles of boots, guys. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere that he was like supposed to be like oh god i'm forgetting the word but he was supposed to represent like the government at the time of the movie like the time the movie takes place and i mm-hmm. don't i don't know i don't well, know. I mean think i mean it's, watch it mm-hmm. as a double feature with the devil's backbone and you mm-hmm. can see you know they are sisters i can see that or sibling yeah. films yeah mm-hmm. um del toro does a lot of metaphor with that the the spanish civil war in those two movies so Definitely makes sense. Um, and I've already said a lot about Pale Man, so I won't add anything new. Uh, Mike, do you have any additional things to say? I need to watch it again. I really enjoyed it. I didn't put it on my list. I kind of forgot about it, but it's so good. Yep. I can't wait for so his new well. film. The Shape of Water looks fantastic. I can't either. I hope um, it's an IMAX. Oh, that would be cool. Um, Crimson Peak was so beautiful. I don't think Sorry. he would have shot it in IMAX. but. Um, all right. I guess that means we are at our number ones, guys. So my number one um, – is in complete opposition to Mike's uh, number four as I went with the king of monsters, Godzilla. Um, 
Now, uh, I, I just want to interrupt. I, I bumped Godzilla for my number one. Oh, well, I want to point out that I'm be, I, unlike my earlier mention, I'm going to be very specific, and I want to pick the 1998 Godzilla. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, That's the only one I'm not uh, picking. I'm picking every maybe, other maybe. Godzilla, every other Godzilla, except for the 1998 Godzilla. Every other Godzilla yeah. I love, and I've, I don't know that I've, I definitely haven't seen all of the movies Godzilla's in. But I have seen a whole bunch of Godzillas um, over my time. I used to watch the, them on uh, TV when they would be on. And then, of course, Rift Tracks, or not Rift Tracks, I'm sorry, Mystery Science Theater 3000 used to do Godzilla movies um, before the licensing issues came into play. And I used to watch those on Comedy Central, um, which I always felt like, unlike a lot of the other movies, there was always a sense of like admiration towards the Godzilla films, even when they were making fun of them, um, which is not the case with a lot of the other uh, films. But... Um, I did. I did go see the '98 one in the theater, like because it was Godzilla. Even though the movie's got tons of problems, I still saw it in the theater. I still, you know, saw it multiple times. Um, and then 2014's Godzilla, I enjoyed. I didn't love it as much as I wanted to, um, but I did enjoy it. I like Godzilla 2000. I've yet to see Shin Godzilla, which I cannot wait to see. I'm planning on trying to get a copy of it soon um, and checking it out because it is out on home video now. But um, I'm looking forward to the. Uh, expanded universe where we have Godzilla King of Monsters coming out in 2019 um, and they alluded to this with the Kong Skull Island film um, so we will be seeing Kong versus Godzilla in the near future and um, I think mine will win Mike I think mine will win so I think Godzilla is the most iconic of the uh, movie monsters um, Your, this, yours will win? Uh, he'll beat King Kong is what I'm saying um because oh. you have King Kong on your list, so I'm picking I'm picking Godzilla over King Kong. Um, when you think of like these epic giant monsters, Godzilla's been around for a long time. I mean, the very you know the actor who originally played him just recently passed away, uh-huh. and I, I was listening to a, a podcast talking about him and his original suit was half constructed with like concrete, and so yeah, it nice. weighed like two hundred something pounds um, oh, in yuck. the first movie. So Gojira and it's it's one of those things where, it, like, when people see it now, I think, like, young kids, they, they tend to laugh at it because it's, you know, the dubbing has always been really bad from the uh, the Japanese movies to English. And then, um, you know, the, the buildings are, it's all, it's all real. It's all, you know, they build these miniature buildings and have a guy in a suit walking around knocking him down. It, it can look cheesy to someone who doesn't get what, like, what it was at the time. And, um you know, there's a lot of metaphor about the monster that he represents the mm-hmm. nuclear uh, war on Japan, the nuclear strikes on Japan, and he has the iconic screech and the iconic look. I mean, just when I think monsters, I think Godzilla. So my number one. It is a fantastic number one. I I am seriously debating switching mine, but I'm going to keep the number one I had. Mm. Bumps for, and I know it. it, it I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I had it typed up. I had it in there. I grew up on Godzilla. He really should be my number one. It's He's except for the one. And the only reason I wanted to watch it again is because it was being riff tracked. Yeah. So. Yeah. I actually rewatched it with a group of students um, last year. Like during, it wasn't a normal class session. I don't remember why I put them through it, um, but I did. <laughs> Man, that it, was really harsh. Were they being bad? <laughs> Did you, were they being punished? Or? Um, 
I can't remember what the reason is. We I think they were talking about the 2014 one, and um, someone said something maybe like they said it was bad or whatever. I'm like, well, hold on, let me show you a bad one. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it the 98 one at the time when it came out, I really enjoyed. You know, Puff Daddy had a really good song on it that was, uh, it was over a good song. Cashmere, and then um, um, I think it, Rage it has the machine. talent associated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, see, I'm not a big Matthew Broderick fan. Um, in fact, the more I watch him now, the more I'm like, yeah, I don't like him. I don't know, I don't know what it is about him. He just generally annoys me more than anything. I love him as Ferris Bueller, though. Yes. I can't think of any. I can't think of other movies I've seen him in. Oh, That's so Cable horrible. Guy, um, Election, Election, um, Godzilla. Uh, he was in Manchester by the Sea for like 30 seconds. Um. Biloxi Blues, I think. I Maybe. don't know that one. Maybe not. But yeah, um, and he 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 shows up in random stuff. But I I'm not a huge fan, and Godzilla holds that. Now Jean Reno in Godzilla, though, I actually really like his character, um, a bit. You know, because I like him. There's something about Jean Reno. He's that, good. He's good always. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the movies the movies pretty ridiculous. Hank and Zara, Hank and Zara is and hope I'm saying it right. He's in Godzilla '98, and he's actually funny um as he usually is though but yeah let's not talk about godzilla 98 let's talk about mike's number well actually wait Corey, you haven't said anything about godzilla i've only seen the 2014 one and then parts of the old ones but while you guys were talking about it i was like google imaging and i think it's amazing just um him dressed in the costume Mm -hmm. with just people standing beside him and it's really funny because the way you know i didn't think about him as a guy in a costume even though that's what he is and his like the texture of his suit looks like a tree. Yeah, very bark like. Yeah, um, but I think that's awesome. I didn't know how they had filmed all that, even though common sense would say so. Yeah, and I I bought Gojira um, uh, two years ago for the, for my classes, and we have not got to watch it yet. And it's one I really been wanting to revisit. I'm fairly confident I saw it when I was younger, and I've not seen it as an adult. But I've seen several other Godzilla films in that past time. In fact. One of the things my mom used to do to annoy me was uh, sing the Mothra song. Um, <laughs> like she would just uh, sing it. Your mom me. had all sorts of unique punishments. For yeah, you. My, mom, <laughs> my mom's. Were not... you a mischievous child? No, mischievous that's the thing. Uh, I generally just wanted to be left the hell alone. But you know, um... <laughs> that was then. Is that how? Is that how you told her too? Because I think that might have been played. Probably at some point that was probably exactly how I told her. But um, you know, uh, nonetheless, uh, Mike, what is your number one, sir? All right, now please bear in mind that originally my pick was my pick, but I've gone and switched it and gone with the underdog of underdogs. Oh, I figure you both have seen this, and my number one pick likely surprise you. Given my predilection for traditional special effects and makeup, oh man! But the humor involved with this particular creature and the diverse crew attached, so I'm kind of cheating a bunch of them in, was enough of an impression to move it into this spot. In 2012, a fairly small film named The Cabin in the Woods was released. Okay. And even having read as much as I could about it, I went into it lowing. Little to nothing about it besides, you know, that it had a cabin in the woods as its locale. And as the plot begins to unfold and you get to see the the betting on the different creatures going on and Bradley Whitford's character, 
yet again bidding on the merman. <laughs> the merman. My curiosity was piqued. I was all in. I would have bet on the merman, and that's why I moved the merman up. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, really, the whole menagerie that was in that area, but the merman was the one. There was something. There was. I got a lot of joy having gone to the theater to see this seeing this huge unorthodox merman creature make its appearance and it was totally worth it and what a mess it made and you know it's because i think they even addressed the cleanup on the merman is a you know i think they have some very colorful phrases for it it was shocking and just satisfying to me in a very oddly morbid sense um could i have had another number one probably but everybody forgets the merman and you know when you think Merman, you're thinking, I don't know, the weak version of Aquaman from the 70s, that kind of Merman type creature. <laughs> and there's just something, I, the stats, I think, agree with me. 7.0 uh, user score, IMDb score, 72 meta score, and 92% fresh tomatometer, tomatometer well, rating. Um, I when I saw this movie, um, I don't remember what made me finally watch it. I think I might have. I think it was because Joss Whedon. I think the Avengers had just came out, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What else has he made?" And I was like, "Well, I've seen some of Buffy. I don't think I saw. I didn't see all the seasons of Buffy, but I saw like the first two or three. And so I was like, "What's this Cabin in the Woods?" I remember seeing trailers for it, but I didn't know anything about it. So I went in very blind, uh, as, expecting kind of Cabin Fever, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and was pleasantly surprised with the dark comedy in it. Um, Richard Jenkins and and the guy who you just said whose name I always forget, Bradley uh, Whitford. Bradley Whitford, who I, I love the most in Billy Madison. Eric. Eric. Eric but I also oh, loved Eric. so much in Get Out from this year, um, as he is the father oh. in Jordan Peele's Get Out. Um, okay. Okay. And he's always great. And man, I I loved Cabin in the Woods and totally forgot about this monster until you said it. The second you said it, I was like. Oh man, okay, because there's so many monsters you could pick from this movie. Um, I don't know if any would be as iconic though as the Merman because he gets brought up by Bradley Whitford, like you said. So interesting pick, Mike. Definitely a cool one. I did not see coming, but I have seen this movie, and I saw. Um, I think you're number two. So, uh, American Wolf. Yes, so I've seen two of your movies, so I have won the bet again. A winner! I know I've seen this one, but I can't. I thought I'd seen another one of your movies. I hated this movie. What? I'm sorry. I hated it so bad. Oh my goodness, Richard Jenkins. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And you said Uh, that in. Isn't it Susan Sarandon? No. no. Who's in it? Uh, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver, sorry. She was in a a little streak of showing up in the end of horror movies uh, during this time. I feel like um, since you said Richard Jenkins, I need to rewatch it just because I am. But guys, I, I was I, not happy with this you movie. You have now been tagged as Corey Contrarian. Okay. <laughs> Life goal achieved. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I wanted to like it, especially when two of my dudes, John and Brennan, were hyping it up. And then I watched it and I was like, dang it. I don't know how you can't like this movie. I even I got to go to this uh, Halloween Horror Nights house. I think with you, I may not, it may have been, it was was a cool house. It was. And you have to like step over the things that have like crashed through the holding tanks Mm -hmm. or whatever. It was a cool house. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It was really cool. cool. And it was like a small enclosed space. Yeah. It was very nerve wracking, but, um, did they have any elevators? And then the, cause that was hysterical to me. I thought they, 
that it was an elevator at one end, but you can't go in it. But. Yeah, there was a there was like the elevator shaft, but you couldn't go. You no, you just walked by no, it. But no, 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 no. Yeah, it was. That, I mean, that just got me. Uh, you know, the wave after wave after wave. Yeah. Um, and and surely this cannot be because the length. It is only an hour and thirty five minutes. Of your not life. not at all. Because I felt like the end was a cop out. No, what else was going to happen? She did not. She should have given no. up her friend. I mean, dude, sorry, Shaggy. Because, you know, this is really <laughs> an amalgamation of, of the Scooby, Scooby gang. gang. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's really what they were. And Shaggy, she should have taken Shaggy out. Uh, sometimes the good of the many uh, outweighs the, yeah. the, 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 the needs of the, the few. And now we're going to get a philosophy. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that's Star Trek. Next. But, um, she should have done it. He was going to off her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I do. I want to rewatch this because I've only seen it once, but I loved it uh, when I saw it, and definitely am down to watch it again because I think I like Ooh, these October, type of horror comedies. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and Chris Hemsworth is in this movie, so that's also interesting. Yep. Thor uh, in a horror film. So, wow, Corey doesn't like this one, but okay. Um, like I need to rewatch it. I think that would be a good idea. But Corey, that we that leads into your number one, so I hope it's good, or we're gonna give you so much crap. I'm going to get so much crap anyways, and I've talked about this movie so many times, but there was no way I could leave it off because it is the only thing that has scared me in a long time, um, and it is 2014's Babadook. I was going to say it, oh, okay. Babadook. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love this movie. Um, I like loved that I went to the theater with a friend who's easily scared, mm-hmm. and I'm not easily mm-hmm. scared, but it still oh. is creepy. Um and I've talked about, I believe that it's like manifestation of her mental illness. I like that, you know, um, I, they make so many of these creatures so like tall and thin and give them long fingers. And mm-hmm. I don't like fingernails at all. Like, I think they're disgusting. And I guess that's, yeah. Fingernails. No, I make sure I throw them away. That's disgusting, Mike. Um, and then I loved Essie Davis, uh, when she was in Game of Thrones this season made me so happy, even though it was only a few episodes. But um, I know the kid is annoying in this movie, and that's the point. Um, but I just love it so much, and I love that it starts with a book. You yeah. must have read my mind, because I was going to ask you, could we not count the kid as a creature in this? <laughs> right? There were but some I feel times like that that it, kid... But I feel oh. like it's like her... like amplifying what's really happening mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. you know i don't know but like a, like agreed a, like a will to power thing where you know mm-hmm. well i um i i actually this movie grew on me after watching it like the more i thought about it the more i talked about it the more i i was became a fan of it i actually just purchased a copy of this for my classroom um mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's the the look of the monster too it reminds me of like something out of the silent film era um, mm-hmm. the way the design of it and everything. So I, I definitely like um, that, even though it's kind of what you said. It's not really a monster, but when it's there on screen, it is, it's creepy. It's weird looking. It's, you know, it's, it's easy to remember. So definitely iconic. Plus that name uh, and how he says it too. the, you know, it's, yeah. it's stuck in my head. And uh, written and directed by a woman, Jennifer Kent, who was going to direct Wonder Woman and oh. didn't end up getting it, I but I want to see more work from her. Well, that uh, oh, Mike, I'm sorry. Do you have something to add? 
Uh, I didn't. I thought she directed the original Babe. She did she Babe, Big in the City, and Murder Call, which I've not. Yeah, no Murder Call. I don't either. You don't want Murder to Call, though. No. Especially not wow. from upstairs. It's in the house. I'm kidding. Uh, yes. Have you checked the children? <laughs> um, all right. So let's get into our honorable mentions for our iconic movie monsters. I start this one. Um, I have uh, the Dementors from Harry Potter and the Prisoner mm-hmm. of Azkaban. I love the look of those monsters and thought that was worthy of note. Um, Davy Jones from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and At World's End. I love the design of that creature, and I think that's Bill Nighy, if I'm not mistaken, um, mm-hmm. who, who I'm also a big fan of. And I love the look of the monster, the tentacles moving all the time. It's It just is awesome. Um, Indominus Rex from Jurassic World. Um, Could have gone with the raptors or, or T-Rex from the Jurassic Park, but I think Indominus Rex kind of upped the game you know, a bit with it being uh, genetically engineered. And... Um, and then I have uh, the Xenomorph from Alien, which we did our favorite aliens earlier this year when Alien Covenant was coming out. Um, so I, I left off like the Predator, who I love the look of because I, he was on my list. But I wanted to throw the Xenomorph in here because I do love the, uh, the art stylings of the Xenomorphs. And to be fair, the Xenomorphs, because there's different variations of them depending on how they were brought into this world. So, um, Mike, what do you got? Uh, I will also make a mention of the Xenomorph that they're on my list. Godzilla, I debated, but I wanted to give the underdog a chance. The alien creatures from Attack the Block. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing from Another World. The Predator from Predators, the whole series. The Cenobites from Hellraiser, which you mentioned. And, uh, oh, my last couple. Cloverfield Monster, because oh, I yeah. thought it was definitely a good... Less is more where you see it, but you don't fully see it. I like that part of it. Reminiscent of Godzilla, and, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. just in the yeah. size. Well, it's like, like he, um, he wanted... Kaiju. Yeah. JJ wanted... JJ? Yeah. Yep, JJ. Yeah. No, they wanted wanted uh, to have our own kaiju. And the last one is... It's funny because we were just mentioning the 1970s invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm. The half-man, half-dog. Or not even half-man, half-dog. It's... It's an amalgamation, and it's very creepy. From that movie? Yep. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Um, All right, Corey, what's your honorable mentions? I only have two. Uh, well, I have three, actually. I also had the Xenomorphs from Alien. Um, okay, the tall man from Phantasm, even though the movie sucked, he was pretty rad. Yeah. And then... <gasps> sorry, Mike. <laughs> yep. Don't, <gasps> don't listen to our podcast, because we totally ripped that movie apart. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then the movie that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to try to talk about it as vaguely as possible here, but it's from 2007, I think, and it's a, a horror comedy called Teeth. Don't know that Ooh. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, and I should rewatch um, it. I've only seen it once, but it's pretty it's, nuts. It's, um, I can't even say it. I, Don, yeah, acquires. It. Yeah, there was no way to talk about it properly as one of my top right. five. All right, there's it's a very it's a medical term oh. for mm-hmm. a, a female part of the anatomy dentata. Yep. With somewhere you don't want teeth to be. Oh, oh, got it. Wow, that's and, a dark story. Yeah, it's messed up. Hey, isn't that in Clerks too? Um, oh, I don't know. In Clerks too, the one guy that works at the at movies uh, talks about like he can't have sex with his girlfriend because of her. Her vagina monster. Is, oh, that, is that not? Is that the premise I here? I think I, I, mm, I think that was alluding that 
she was just using that as an excuse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, oh, guys, ignore this Facebook call that I just accidentally sent to you. Um, so, <laughs> uh, okay, um, that concludes our list. Um, man, I had something I wanted to add, and then that, that last monster thing really threw me off. But <laughs> Of course. Um, but, Mike, uh, we did just do Phantasm on Burke Reviews Movie Club, which is out now. Actually, it's been out for a few days. Um you might want to skip that one. Yeah, we, uh, Corey and I, were not fans of Phantasm, but you are, huh? Mm, it's a classic. But why though? Why we don't get why it's a classic? Like, is it just because <laughs> it was a low budget movie and he achieved something um, interesting, like in that world? Because I think it was just atmospheric at the time, and the, the I mean, the killer ball was just not seen and i'm trying to think of but it only happens here. once the killer ball happens one time and it's then later killed with one shotgun shot and it there's no explanation to it like it if it's a butt go yeah and yeah there's a part where like because when it does kill somebody it kills the wrong person but then we see like a wine spout pop out the back and it's squirting blood but then you okay. don't see the blood anywhere like all right let's let's do it this way bubba hotep you guys fans? Yes. Yeah, it's the same director. John dies at the end. I haven't. Uh, seen that I, one. I did like it. I didn't love John dies at the end. Is this really the same person? But without, without, yeah, yeah without Phantasm, Direct. we wouldn't have those. Well, I'll be darned. I did not realize that was the same person because um, he's done the other Phantasm movies as well, right? I believe so. That's weird. Now, to be fair, though, he yeah, did not been... write John dies at the end because that's based off of a book, and. Um, but it, he, I think he was involved with the screenplays. At least he's credited. To the ad, and supposedly, but, there's a Bubba Nosferatu. Really? But it's got question marks all over. Oh, so it's not out. It was probably in production or something. I hope that gets made. Without Phantasm, and I mean, there were two others prior to that. We wouldn't have those. So I can, I can appreciate. Baby steps. I can appreciate your point, but at the same time. You know, I don't love every Martin Scorsese film. You know what I'm saying? Like, Fair why it's so Fair regarded? Um, I I think it was the right place, right time. That that creeped me out. I know my stepdad got me into that one, and it was like uh, Angus Scrim was de- uh, he yeah. the, uh, it was an icon. He was great as the the tall man, and hmm. yeah, and so I, I I guess I guess I could see that. Like you said, you don't always. I mean. We've fallen off the Kevin Smith wagon. Yeah, we're not love. So. Well, we didn't love yoga hosers. I'm still gonna if he does moose jaws, I'm in. But yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. Yeah, but, but I think he needs to stick to the tone of Red State and go that route because that was very, very well done. Agreed. Well, folks, that's our list. We would love to hear your iconic movie monsters. You can email them to us at contact at BurkeReviews.com. That's contact at BurkeReviews.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, etc. I'm at BurkeReviews. Corey? At Corey R Star to R's on the end. And Mike? At ServerMonkey. We are, we'll be back next week with another episode of Top 5 Movies. In the meantime, please listen to our other podcast, uh, Burke Reviews Movie Club, The Rough Cut, or Wildcard Pod. All updated on our website, BurkeReviews.com, uh, throughout the week. There's always something for you to listen to. We'll be back. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Guys, have a good evening. You too. And a good evening to you. And an extra day off tomorrow. Yes. Yay. Peace, everyone.